verse 1. When the feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, a gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. Have you ever been asked what religion you are? Have you ever been asked that, what religion you are? Yeah, so it's kind of a tough question. Um, Sounds simple, uh, but it's not always because, I mean, when someone asks me that, I'm like, hmm, like, do I get really detailed right now? Like, do, do, I, do I pull out that, well, you know, I don't consider myself religious. I'm more of a follower of Jesus. So it's more like a relationship. It's not about rules and, and you, know, it, you know, all these. Or, or do I just be like, I'm a Christian? Or, you know, where do you go with that, you know? Because the person could just be like, oh, I just... You know, this was, like, not a big question. It was just, like, conversation, you know. Uh, Or they might want the whole thing. So I never quite know where to go with it. Usually, I'll just be like, Christian. And then I'll wait. And then they'll be like, oh, but, like, what denomination or whatever. Or then people might be like, cool. And then they walk on or whatever. Um, It can be a tough question. Reality is, our background here at our church, and my background personally, is Pentecostalism. That would be like the denomination kind of that represents us. Um, But if you start with that, you just open Pandora's box. (laughs) And there's a lot of questions coming after that. Uh, So I don't necessarily lead with it. (laughs) Reality is, like any religion, denomination specific group. (laughs) Pentecostalism has its truth, its rumors, and its uncomfortable aspects. (laughs) Why? Because people, really. (laughs) Because us people. And uh, it, 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 people can make things weird, right? People can make um, normal things weird and weird things normal all the time. We do it all the time. Our roots for the church, though, in reality, date back to the book of Acts. Come on, straight out of the Bible. This is where Pentecost was born, and that's why the name, really, in its basic form, that's why the name. Since then, there has been numerous outpourings of the Holy Spirit all over the world. Okay, there's been encounters, and and, and this is talked about in the earth and experienced in the earth. Uh, We've been a part of many ministries with just radical encounters with Jesus. We were a part of a ministry. uh, uh, It was up in Canada. It was called Tehillah, um, Tehillah Monday night. It was a young adult um, outpouring, really, of the Spirit of God. I remember being there one night, and one of the pastors were on the stage, and and he had, like, a, a prophetic word. He had a word of encouragement for someone in the crowd, and, and he, he, this guy was just kind of, it was super crowded. You had to line up at the door and, like, rush in, or you were not getting a seat. And um, it was really just a move of God within the young adult culture at that time. And uh, this one young adult guy was standing kind of in the middle of an aisle, and straight behind him, many feet, how many feet? I don't know, maybe 10 feet back, if, if not a little more, was the doors. 
um, like double doors like we have. And just as this this preacher starts to, to speak this encouraging word over this this young man, he just kind of puts up his hand. He's like, young man, and blah, blah, blah. And he, he just, literally the power of God hit this guy in such force that his arms flew back. I'm not kidding. I watched it, okay? I watched this happen. And he flew back through the doors. <laughs> the, no one touched him. Through the doors. The doors bust open. He laid back. And then the doors closed. Okay, so now he's no longer in the room. Like he's out like in the lobby, you know, and the door's closed. And then the preacher was like, could you open the doors? He wasn't done giving the word, you know. So the ushers came and opened the word, and then he just kept, you know, encouraging him and prophesying around. But just wild things, you know, that that um, that God does. And he was fine. He was fine. Um, don't worry. You know, nothing happened. Um, you guys have probably heard of the Toronto outpouring, the movements, you know, like Azusa Street here uh, in our own land. You know, I, I grew up in in an uh, environment where my dad was um, uh, just like a revivalist in nature. And I remember as a young girl, we would have like special evangelistic services, you know, where we bring in an evangelist for a week, you know, and every night at like seven till, I don't know, one, two, three o'clock in the morning. I don't know. It just it ended when it ended, you know. And we would just be there forever. <laughs> and God would just be pouring out. And it was only supposed to be one week. But, you know, the spirit of God's moving. So after seven days, it's like, you know, my dad would say to the dentist, you want to stay for another week? And he'd be like, yes, pastor, I want to stay for another week. And we'd extend it and extend it. And, you know, it, it just, just went on. This is the culture that I was raised in. Um. Just people experiencing God. See, Holy Spirit's moving across our land. And I don't know about you, but I want all that God has because I trust him. I know people mess it up. I know people get it wrong. But I'm not looking for what people are going to offer me in the realm of the spirit. I'm looking for what God is going to offer me in the realm of the spirit because he won't mess it up. You know, so there, there is a, a desperation in our hearts that activates the movements of Holy Spirit. And this day in Acts, this happened. This day, the day of Pentecost. God was present to empower. Now let's back up a minute. So Jesus died, and then he rose from the dead. I just gave Easter away, just like that, if you didn't know. So he's out of the tomb, and he's making his rounds. And for, for 40 days, he's meeting up with people. He's having face-to-face -face talk. He's having meals. And, and he really, he's just talking about the kingdom of God. He's just like, he knows he has a limited time. He knows he's about to ascend back to heaven. So he's just like getting it all out. And then one day, he's like, hey, he says to his friends, things are going to change. Okay, they're going to look a little different around here. And I know you're just now getting used to the fact that I'm back. <laughs> um, but I have to go again. But you have to stay. You can't come with me. This is the worst conversation to have with little people. I'm not insinuating that the disciples were little people. I'm saying the little people in our lives. Like if you have little kids or grandkids or if you're like an auntie and uncle or two. A little, it is it is like the word, I have to go now. Can I come? Can I come? Can I? No, you can't come. And they're just like literally like sad and they like walk away. Or if you remember when your kids were little and you were maybe going away for a couple nights or something like that. You really needed the break. 
but they were just, they just really wanted to come with you. It's a hard conversation. I feel like Jesus' friends were kind of feeling like that, though. Like, what, you just, you literally just got here. Like, we thought you were gone forever. And now you're back? And now you have to leave? Like, it, wait, it, who's doing this? Is someone trying to take you again? You know, like, wh- heck no, we won't go. You know, like, it just kind of, like, form it. They're like, we still have our swords. We remember the garden. You know, we, we've been keeping them sharp. We're ready, to, we're ready to fight on your behalf. Jesus, we got you. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's not like that. It's not like that. This is, this is a good thing. I have to go. It's fine. I, I, you can't come where I'm going. I had to get some things set up for you. One day you'll be there. You're not going to understand it all right now. It's too much to talk about in just like two minutes. You know, but uh, like this is good. And they're like, but Jesus, I don't know. I don't know. Like you're going to leave us again? He's like, guys, trust me in this. Stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave. There's something coming. There's a reason you have to be here. The Father is going to send something. Trust me. Just, 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 just stay there. It's that baptism, that baptism I was talking about. Holy Spirit. Remember I talked about that? And he's going to come and you need to be here because if, you, if you're not here and he comes and you're going to miss him and then it's like the whole point, like it's just over and, and it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's going to start here. And then it's going to be in you. And then before you know it, it's going to be this worldwide sensation. It's going to be huge. Acts 1 verse 9. These were his last words. As they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud. They stood there staring at the empty sky. Suddenly, two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans, why are you standing here just looking up at the sky? You know, this very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. They all kind of paused. They looked at each other. And then they leave and they all walked away. They make their way back to the upper room. Okay, so this is on this journey they walk up. It's a little somber, I'm sure. It's a little quiet. No one quite fully understands what just happened here. Or what was coming. Because you know you know what it's like when the present changes suddenly in your life. It can be hard to picture what the future will look like. They get to the base of the stairs. I mean, it is the upper room after all. Imagine there's a few flights. And um, one step after another they climb. This brings me to the topic of stairs. Okay. Um, we have a few stairs. If you've been in my house... Um, you know this. If you haven't, you should come. Just walk up the stairs and get a workout in, you know. Um, and we were getting our shower redone, which was on the third level. And um, the shower guy came, and it's kind of, you know, still in the kind of COVID time. So he came by himself. They're short-staffed. And normally they have, like, a friend to help with the work. But he was by himself. And I watched him for three days and down those stairs, up and down those stairs. And he'd get up there and he'd be like, I tried to carry everything at once so I wouldn't have to go down and get everything else, you know. And I'm like, I know what you're saying. When I bring groceries in, I'm like, it's all the bags. <laughs> it's one trip, you know. And, and then he'd be like, I forgot one tool and all the way down. I'm telling you, this was a young 
fit guy. He's like, I work out five days a week. He's like, I can't handle these stairs. <laughs> anyway, that's just a side note. Stairs are hard. All right. So there's stairs, and they have to go up to the stairs, and then they get up in the upper room, and they're moving around the room, and some sit at the table, some sit on the floor. It's a little quiet maybe at first. It's a lot of processing happening, which has happened. And then I wonder if some of them started asking questions. Like, what do you think he meant by weight? Like, how long before Holy Spirit shows up? And, like, is that a person? Like, Holy Spirit. Is it, like, is spirit, is it a person? Is it, like, like, should we make Holy Spirit dinner? Like, what, like, I wonder the conversation. They don't know what's coming. They have no idea. So this is, like, 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 I wonder exactly, like, are we talking, like, a few minutes, a few hours, a few days? Like, I, so they just wait. Do you think, and if we do make him dinner, I wonder, does he have any food intolerances or allergies or, like, it doesn't matter. We'll just hope for the best, you know. So many questions. I can only imagine. They didn't know what was going to happen. No one saw the end of the story. We get to read it. We know what happened. They didn't know. They were right in front of it. Jesus says, wait. Jesus says, wait. We know Holy Spirit comes. We know then the church is born. We know then there's fire all over the earth. We know all these things, but they didn't know. Plus, they're dealing with the trauma of losing a friend again. The fear of what life is about to look like without him. He was the rock. And then there's the hours of sitting in the upper room. Maybe it was hot. Heat does rise. Uncomfortable. They don't know what they're waiting on. Well, someone's like, well, maybe we should sing. Okay, let's sing. So they sing a song. Oh, we've sang that a long time. We should stop singing that now. Mm, maybe we should pray. Yeah, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for Holy Spirit. Yeah. So they pray. It says this, that they, 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 they sang and they prayed and they waited and they sang and they prayed and they waited and they hung out and they talked. They probably slept. You know, they just, this is the, the cycle going on and on and on and on. You would think this was a recipe for disaster. All these people in this room waiting, you would think so many people and such little information just wait. But this team actually killed it. They waited. How? They waited in unity. They waited in expectation. And they waited in trust, in unity. So they get to the stairs, and no doubt we know that was a task in and of itself to get up there. They get up. And, they, and in Acts 13, it says, they went to the upper room they had been using as a meeting place. There was Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Another James and Simon, Judas. They agreed they were in this for good. Come on. Completely together in prayer and the women included. I like how it says that. Jesus' mother, Mary, and his brothers. See, Jesus is in the waiting when we wait in unity. Psalms 133 says that where that is where God commands his blessing, where there is unity. What's the point of waiting any other way? I'm just wondering, what's the point? As a group of Christians together, as a church family, what is the point of waiting? What is the point of coming together in worship, in listening to preaching, in family, in community, if we are not going to be in unity? Why bother? 
you know, why argue? Why, why, like, let's just keep the main thing the main thing. See, Jesus knew that they would wait well. That's why they were chosen to wait. Not everyone was. There's a lot of people living at that time, but only 120 got premium access that day to wait in that room. Why? Because they wouldn't mess it up. They were trusted. Their hearts were right. God knew this. Jesus knew this. They prayed. They worshiped. They prayed some more. They did church business. If you read through it, they took care of some stuff because they had to replace some people. And they handled it, and they didn't think, no one spoke up and said, well, I think this is a little unspiritual for the waiting. No, they just did it because they were all in unity in one accord. Peter took leadership. No one got mad that he took leadership. What a beautiful demonstration of the church before the church was truly even born. See, God will choose his people, the right people. So let's stop wasting our time trying to get chosen as the right leader and put our effort more into becoming the right leader whether or not we're ever chosen. They waited in unity. They waited in expectation. First off, how do you know they had expectation? Well, I feel like I don't think they would have waited so long if they weren't expecting anything. No one waits around for something they don't expect to happen. That would be ridiculous. I mean, maybe some people do, but it's kind of ridiculous. What you waiting for? Oh, my mom's going to pick me up. Oh, is she coming? No. Right? Nobody does that, right? They might not have known what or, or what it would look like or how, but they knew something was going to happen. They were praying. They were setting things in order. They were doing the right things while they waited in expectation. Jesus wasn't with them anymore. He had gone. Holy Spirit hadn't arrived yet. So it was just like middle awkward time. They didn't have the sense or the feel of the presence like we get with Holy Spirit. It hadn't come yet. This is the upper room. This is uh, the, the, that benchmarked and revolutionary place where the Passover feast took place. The very first communion took place. This is the place where he, Jesus told them what was coming and how Judas would betray them. But they didn't quite get it back then. This was the place of memories. So they're literally in this place with no Jesus and Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. In this place filled and flooded with memories of their friend who was gone. I'm sure they sat there and they had flashbacks of what that felt like when Jesus was there. And it felt so good. Desperately wishing he still was. In the corner, there was like a bowl and towels that they used for foot washing. You know, you guys remember that time Jesus like washed all of our feet? Yeah, I remember that. And then there was the table where Jesus lifted up the cup and he said, this is, this is my blood, the new covenant. And they broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And they were remembering that. That was so good, guys. That was such good memories. Food, fellowship, God with them. The late night talks in the upper room. God's word literally speaking through God's word in flesh. And here they wait with no Jesus and no Holy Spirit. Remembering him in the space that literally he was and they still wished he was. But they waited and they waited and they waited without him.
See, they practiced in principle what they learned in the presence. They had walked. They had talked. They had learned and followed Jesus for three years by their side. They had prayed and worshiped with him. They had loved and encouraged each other for three years. They saw miracles. They saw signs. They saw wonders. They enjoyed the presence of literally God in flesh with them. Always there. But today and tomorrow and for who knows how long he wasn't there anymore. They were alone. They couldn't ask him for a question. Oh, Jesus, what about this one thing? He wasn't there anymore. He was gone. They were alone, but they waited in expectation because he said, wait. And in those three years, they built up a trust with him, knowing that he could be trusted with his word. They waited in expectation. They practiced in principle what they learned in the presence. And they waited in trust. Jesus wouldn't let them down. His word was solid. Not once in those three years did he fail them at his word. And Jesus chose them because he trusted them. Many, many years ago, I remember Craig and I got a prophetic word, and it was this. God trusts you. That was it. Three words. I've never forgotten it because it meant so much. It was just such a little thing, and I'm like, that's such a big thing. He trusted these, these people. And then Says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place. Then it came. This was the fullness of time. See, when the timing of God intersects the heart of God, suddenlies happen. The suddenly formed in the waiting, now released in a divine moment in time that only heaven could have known. Suddenlies are formed when we wait. Sudden, something isn't until it is, <laughs> right? It's like, well, that worked yesterday. It's been working. Well, it worked until it was broken. <laughs> it worked until it didn't. Something isn't until it is. Suddenlies only feel like suddenlies to the people who weren't waiting, <laughs> who didn't see it coming. For those waiting, hoping, praying, contending, Trusting, expecting, that suddenly actually took a long time. Can you relate to that? Suddenly, after five years of praying, I was healed, right? Suddenly, after a week of waiting to hear, I got the job. Suddenly, after a month of paperwork and details, the house finally became ours. Suddenly, after months and months and months of trying to have a baby, I finally became pregnant. Right? Are those suddenlies that took time to become suddenly. Suddenlies aren't so sudden. But yet they are because something isn't until it is. It's like wait for it, wait for it, wait for it now. And that's what happened in the upper room. Suddenly, without warning, there said there was a sound. And suddenly, without warning, it said there was a wind. And suddenly, without warning, there was a shaking, the whole place. And then fire began to drop and, and, and spread like lightning fast. And then the loudest, craziest, like roar that you could ever hear. It was like all these languages at once. Yet no one speaking in a language they knew. 
It got wild. People were falling down, spilling out of the room. They were laughing. They were crying. They were hugging. This is the original outpouring. We hear about them all over the world. The Toronto Blessing, Pensacola, Azusa Street, all these things. This was the original outpouring of the Spirit of God. There were joy bombs. If you don't know what that is, maybe one day you will. There were fire launchers of the Holy Spirit just driving through and hitting people. They were falling all over the place. There were cheers and bottoms up of the Holy Ghost. This was the most sober drunk people ever. I mean, what a scene. What a moment as Holy Spirit debuts. <laughs> I mean, clearly he's a go big or go home type of guy. There's fire on them and in them. And that's why their physical bodies are reacting in wild ways. I mean, come on, if you're going to get zapped by heaven's electricity, something's going to happen, right? The God who walked with them, now living in them to work through them. Come on. God is present to encounter. They begin stumbling out the door and falling down the stairs. They are trying to talk to each other, but everyone has a different language, and no one even knows what they're saying anyway. And, and, and then there's the people, the devout Jews who are living in Jerusalem at that time because the city is filled with people from all over the world. They begin hearing the sound, and they're like, wait a minute. How do they know my language? They're not supposed to know my language. And they are literally speaking the mysteries of heaven and, and, and the things of the kingdom in this language. And the devout Jews that didn't speak their language now can understand it. It's wild. Then Peter, Peter takes the stage. Peter, so passionate, yet so misdirected at times. So intense, but also a little flaky. Just a couple months ago, not even, I mean, he was literally a disaster. He was all in it for Jesus one minute and then folds under the pressure of a little girl question him right before Jesus was about to go to the cross. Peter the rock, the one Jesus said, I will build my church upon. Come on. The prophecy on Peter about to happen as he, as he takes his moment, as he takes his stage, so to speak. He stands up, verse 14, backed by the others. And spoke out, the Bible says, in bold urgency. First, he says to the visitors. <laughs> How nice. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully. And get this story straight. These people aren't drunk. I know what you're saying. I hear you. You're suspecting this. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen in the last days. He's, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy and also your daughters. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me. Both men and women, they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky and signs on the earth, blood, 
fire, billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red before the day of the Lord arrives. That day, tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help will be saved. And then he says, number two, to the locals, fellow Israelites, listen carefully to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man accredited by God, to you, the miracles, the signs, the wonders that God did through him are common knowledge. I know you know about it, but Jesus, following the deliberate and well thought out plan of God, was betrayed by men who took the law into their own hands. And we handed them over to you. You pinned him to the cross and you killed him. But God untied the death ropes and raised him up. Death was no match for him. This is Peter's message. This is pretty good. He's like literally giving them a recap of what just happened. And then he says, now everyone, dear friends, let me be frank with you. Our ancestor David, dead and buried in his tomb, is in plain sight. But also being a prophet, knowing God had solemnly swore that a descendant of his would rule his kingdom, he talked about the resurrection of the Messiah. And then he goes on and he says, all Israel that know this, there is no longer room for doubt. God made him master and Messiah. This Jesus whom you killed on a cross. Cut to the quick. Those who were there listening asked Peter and the other apostles, brothers, brothers, what then shall we do? See, this word of the Lord, this message, this was raw. It was unfiltered. It was straight. He just went for it. He's like, you did it. You killed the Messiah. You just did it. Now what are you going to do? With boldness of the Holy Ghost, Peter said this, change your life. Turn to God, be baptized, each of you. So get saved, get dunked, and then he says, <laughs> and then receive the gift of Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children and to everyone far away to whom our master invites. He says, guys, this is for the world. This, what just happened here, this that you don't understand, this, this wild and crazy roar and the wind and the sound and the shaking and the languages, this is for the world. It's like, I don't mean to beat the same drum over and over, but seriously, you are made for more, and we have a job to do. Society he is sick. It's a snare. It's not what you need to be a part of. But, but you get, keep getting tripped up in your own way as you're out living for the world. But God is present to encounter you to get out and be more. That day, the Bible says, about 3,000 took his word, baptized, and were signed up. When I read that, I'm like, Wow. They were pretty successful. It's like super hard to get people to sign up for anything. <laughs> so they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. <laughs> Beautiful. 
They said they put their, their resources together and gave it to the people in need. Beautiful. The church being the church. God was present to empower. God present to empower. See, the moment they were waiting on was about to revolutionize the church. And it would never be the same again. It had been unreal with Jesus. But Jesus said, it's going to get better. He said, I'm going. It's going to get better. Why? Why better? Because Jesus was isolated to a place, to a location. He was one man. But when he went, the Holy Spirit came. He was everywhere. At all the same time. And Jesus was on the outside. But the Holy Spirit's now on the inside. Come on. God present to empower. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. You know, God is present to empower us today. And I don't know if you have had an encounter with the presence of God in the past. Or maybe it's just been a little bit. And you're like, I could use another. The Bible talks about being continuously filled with the power of God. Holy Spirit in us. Presence to empower us. Literally embodies us. Why don't we stand? I'm going to invite you to come. And we have some people that would love to pray over you for an infilling of the Holy Spirit like in, in the upper room. You don't need to worry about it. This is a safe place. And all we want is what God has. Not what anyone will manipulate or drum up. It doesn't have to be they were just waiting, <laughs> singing and waiting and praying and singing and waiting and doing church business. And then he came. That's all it is. It's just, God, I want what you have for me. And if that means Holy Spirit and everything he has, then that's what I want. What? Just ask yourself for a minute, what do I want from God? What do I want from my life? What am I willing to, to lay down so that I can have him? What, what space am I willing to empty out so he can fill it? You know, what am I willing to, to wait in his presence so that he would come upon me and, and come in me? Am I, do I trust him? Do I trust him? You know, we do this together in community, like those in the upper room, like the 120. But we also stand alone in it. Because if no one else came today to be filled for the first time or for a, 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 just a, a continual infilling of the Holy Spirit, I would. I watched Little House on the Prairie. One episode a couple weeks ago I was watching. I've watched the whole series, but I'm watching it again. And 
Charles' dad, his boy um, was injured and went in a coma. And uh, everyone else gave up hope. They said, that's it. He will never wake. That's it. It is hopeless for him. And it was just this huge thing. And he had this gift of faith that came on him. And he actually took his boy away from the family because even his own family was like, Charles, give up. Give up on the boy. He's never going to come back. Just give up. Give up. And he took him away. And he, he built this cross and this monument to God. And I mean, the end of the story is the boy did come back. Reality is sometimes we have to stand alone. And sometimes we stand together. But it's not important or relevant because the call is to stand. So it doesn't matter who stands with you. Just stand. So if you want to be filled with the Spirit of God and you're the only one, that's all right. That's okay. Because the empowerment is just the beginning, guys. Then the true pursuit of the kingdom of God comes on your life. You were made for more. And with the Holy Spirit in you and that courage and that boldness, you will be able to do so much more for the kingdom of God and the earth. So much more in your workplace. So much more in your family. Because it's something about it where you don't care anymore. You're like Peter. You're like two minutes ago he was folding under the pressure of a little girl. Now he's standing up in front of the city saying some pretty harsh things. It's that boldness, it's that courage, it's that power. You're like, well, what if I do it and then I go out and then I fail? I fail the call of God on my life and I'm so scared. What, 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 what about all these things? What if you can't do it? What if I can't do what I'm, I'm, I'm trained to do? What if I can't do what he's called me to do? What if I fail what's been prophesied over my life? What if you just fail to try? You cannot fail in your yes to God. This is for you. The Bible says it's for everyone. So we're going to go into worship, and I'm going to ask some of our prayer team to come. And if you want to come uh, to be prayed for, for filling of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come right now. And we're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to believe for an outpouring of the Spirit of God in your life. So just come.